Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 20 of UAB Green and Told. Original air date, Monday, May 25th, 2020. Through UAB Green and Told, we are able to share stories from members of the UAB family. I'm Greg Berry, Assistant Director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. Today we are joined by Dr. Josh Carter, UAB's Second Road Scholar and the Director of Innovation and Economic Development for the City of Birmingham. As Josh will share, it was his exposure to poverty as a student at UAB and as a teacher in Perry County that ultimately led him to apply for the prestigious Rhodes Scholarship. I remember a, a number of ways where poverty was manifest, you know, including putting a cup underneath a sink and watching it, watching a black rim fill the bottom of the cup because there was a coal ash dump not far from the wastewater treatment plant. And studying as a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford, he'll explain how, of all things, looking at a painting with his mentor helped formulate his research. I said, but what are they doing? Where are they headed? Um, and I said, well, they're headed somewhere in the middle of the forest. And he said, that is your research question. It's, it's got to be where all your energy is directed. Plus, he will tell us what's next for him as he works to fuse his experience at UAB with his current position as he looks toward the future of a post-COVID Birmingham. The reality is many of those jobs won't be, won't be coming back. So how we repurpose workers and when we, we reskill them and, and redeploy them is, is my number one priority. Josh Carpenter has seemingly battled social issues his whole life. But before he became director of Birmingham's Department of Innovation and Economic Development, before he was a Rhodes Scholar, and before he became an honor student at UAB, Josh was just a normal kid from North Alabama. But his journey to Birmingham wasn't exactly as poetic as one might think. You see, his story picks up the day after he was kicked out of a high school football game. The whole way down from Speak, Alabama to Birmingham, Alabama, my father was just absolutely letting me have it about respect and sportsmanship and teamwork. I, of course, thought and somewhat still maintain that I had a legitimate beef with my opponent. But in any event, when I, when I got to, to, to Birmingham, when I got to UAB, UAB was like this refuge from my dad. Um, and so I was so excited to be around any other human being so that I did not have to endure any more of his withering critiques. So I, I was just excited to be on campus. And I think that the glow of that moment, I mean, the, the honors program, the stained glass windows in the, in the church, the, the folks that I met there, Mike Sloan, Rusty Rushton, um, right away. And then in the business school, I, I, I went over and met Eddie Friend and um, the then Dean and, um, so many of those folks still remain dear friends and mentors and uh, and have been huge influences on my life, not just while I was at UAB, but beyond it. And I had the sense that there were people who cared about who I was going to become at UAB. And I visited other colleges, but nothing felt quite like UAB. And it was also already, it was just, it was a dynamic place. I could tell that there were so many students there who were from different backgrounds, who didn't look like me and who could bring perspectives that I, I, I was hungry for as a, uh, as a 17 year old in, in Florence. And so, you know, I remember telling my parents when I left the honors program, 
man, that was, it was like I just walked into the UN. There was so much diversity there. And I, I really was hungry for that and was grateful for uh, the opportunity to be around a lot of smart folks right when, I, right when I arrived on campus. And that was certainly true when I was there. What was your game plan as you entered UAB as a freshman right after the visit? Was it to study accounting, minor in economics, or did you have a different path? I think there was part of me that always was thinking about becoming a doctor, was always thinking about uh, medical school. But I was also really interested in the business side of things from the beginning. And, you know, there's a book called The Bell Jar by, by Sylvia Plath. And there's this one scene in it that I that has stuck with me for a long time. It was about when when she she was a great student in high school. But then when she moved to college, the, the character Esther Greenwood had to pick a path. She either needed to go down law or journalism or medicine or teaching and she felt as though she her education at that point had been a beautiful tree and that she was being asked to saw off a portion of that tree and for me it was college was a tough experience because I, I didn't want to have to pick something I guess what the kids today would call I had major FOMO right I, I didn't want to have fear of missing out <laughs> in, any, uh, in any one lane and so I, I went to college knowing that I wanted to sample as many courses as I possibly could and the interdisciplinary nature of the university honors program enabled me to do that and then pursue business as sort of a, a background. Um, I started accounting because there, there was an amazing faculty there and quickly my, my dad said you know you're interested in a lot of things philosophy or politics or you know he said but don't pick a hobby do something that could be a trade and that's probably true for him because he was an electric he is an electrician and so he said you know do something you can do your whole life if other if other pathways don't pain out and you know i obviously went a different path i ended up doing political economy in graduate school and, and policy and taught english but the reality is that my background in accounting is something that i I dwell upon it every day, and I'm I'm comfortable with, with spreadsheets today because of what I learned at UAB. My background in business at UAB has enabled me to 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 take on new roles and and maybe go after new new challenges because I am comfortable with the language of business. UAB is is a school where a lot of students are uber involved. What was it like for you as an undergrad getting involved with things? That was probably the one of the major reasons I chose UAB. I, I thought everybody I met seemed like a, a renaissance woman or man. And uh, I, I wanted to be a part of that. I was involved in high school. And, you know, one of the things that I, I did immediately was I started, I got involved in student government. While I was there, I actually started a couple of different organizations, in, in, including Impact Alabama, which is now Impact America, which leveraged sort of what we were doing in the classroom as, uh, in, in tax accounting to actually prepare taxes for low-income individuals in the area. And that, that opportunity really shaped the way I, I thought about a lot of things. I started looking more closely at the tax code and, and how our taxes were driving revenue, not just for the city, but the state and how those things then funded major public services like schools and, and where inequality was arising in our, our our economic system because of structural deficiencies in our tax program and so i think I, I had a lot of faculty members constantly connect what i was learning in the classroom to activities that would um that i was doing outside of them perhaps the most transformative experience for me was i did some tutoring at 
uh, a couple high schools. I had one particular experience with a student named John who I got to know pretty well and went to his games and spent a lot of time with him. That experience taught me that I really want to do this more. And so I left Birmingham, I left UAB and decided to go teach in the Teach for America program mm -hmm. and built relationships with many students like like John on and off the field and realized that uh, that teaching is something that I had a deep passion for and I, I guess I had it in my DNA. My mom was a teacher, my dad uh, teaches uh, uh, at the apprenticeship school and um, my sister is a kindergarten teacher. So it, it probably should not have come as a surprise, but uh, the experiences that I that I had in in at UAB were absolutely fundamental to what I ended up doing down the line. So you taught for a couple of years um, in Perry County. You were actually named Teacher of the Year there in 2012, but it didn't last for long. You decided to take another course. Talk a little bit about what went into applying for the Rhodes Scholar and what all is involved with that. Yeah, first first. In, I was 2010, I was a teacher in Perry County and um, taught English and absolutely loved it, taught theater. We didn't have any art classes, and so I just have to tell this story quickly. So uh, we didn't have any art classes, and so I, I went to the school board and basically lobbied for arts classes, and I had these studies from the National Endowment for Humanities, National Endowment for the Arts, saying, you know, students who have a deep experience with arts are 25% more likely to graduate from, from high school. And they said, well, that's, that's great, Coach Carpenter. Why don't you go ahead and, and teach it, teach one? And so on my planning period, I taught the only form of art that I had any experience whatsoever with, which was theater. And so we, we, we put on, I think, the first play there since uh, racial integration had actually happened in the school. And it was, uh, it was a phenomenal experience. We, together, the, the students and I rewrote uh, Romeo and Juliet, an adapted version for um, instead of Verona, the township of Verona, um, a, a medieval town, it was uh, instead um, about the Verona High School in rural in a rural Alabama setting. So instead of Tybalt, we had Timmy. Uh, we instead <laughs> of uh, Friar Lawrence, we had Brother Lorenzo. But it was an it was an amazing experience, and I I really really enjoyed that. But what it also taught me is that experience that I was having with those students that they were having was rare and it shouldn't be. The fact that Perry County at the time was the fifth poorest county in America and many of my students were living out those consequences of chronic underfunding. I remember assigning a paper and uh, students couldn't finish it because the, the library actually just couldn't pay its bills. I remember a, a number of ways where poverty was manifest, you know, including putting a cup underneath a sink and watching it, watching a black rim fill the bottom of the cup because there was a coal ash dump not far from the wastewater treatment plant in Perry County. I realized that addressing poverty and the, the symptoms of poverty was extraordinarily important to me. It's something that I wanted to, to attack at a systems level with my career and that the work in, that I was doing in the classroom was important and certainly has grounded me in, in the experience of, of what it's like to uh, to be a teacher, to try to create an educational environment in such you know, really challenging circumstances. But I, I wanted to be a part of solutions at the systems level. And I ended up going up the summer of 2011 to intern uh, at the White House. And I played in a 
flag football game and it was a staff intern flag football game and someone on the staff asked me if I had applied uh, for the Rhodes Scholarship and if I'd heard of it and I had but didn't think I was eligible I thought I was too old I also didn't think I was going to be a great candidate and he said well, you know you should really take a look at it so I ended up writing to a few folks at UAB who encouraged me to, to do that. And I got the internal nomination at UAB. You know, you had to get four or five faculty members to write letters of support. And then you had to get four or five folks who knew you independent of school to do that. And so I had some, based on some involvement that I had, had done at UAB, but also some teaching and my academic work, I think I had 10 letters of support, including the institutional nomination. I felt just absolutely lucky to, to get an interview. And so I, I ended up getting getting one of the scholarships and, and got to go over to Oxford for a few years. So you go to Oxford, you go to England, you were selected one of 32 Rhodes Scholars. You earned a master's of science in comparative social policy and then a doctor of philosophy in politics. Those two routes, was that based off of what your career had done, meeting John, working in Perry County and all of that. So it was just a natural progression. The study of policy and in, in, in politics really, at, especially at Oxford is uh, a mix of what might be called political science, political theory and, and uh, political economy. And my work, my research area in particular, hinged on that sort of political economy, political science intersection. Specifically, I was interested in uninsured individuals in Alabama, how they thought about themselves as individuals and voters, uh, but also how they had access to, um, to healthcare, how they had, how they thought about themselves in the labor market and where they were getting jobs if they could and how health, uh, health insurance or lack thereof affected their, their labor market entry. And I think a lot of those questions were, were unfolded by by my experiences in the classroom. And I think they were informed by the learning I did at UAB. One of the things that I, I, I say a lot is, you know, UAB is a place that taught me how to think through really good and thoughtful answers. And Oxford is a place that allowed me to unfold a lot of questions. One of the, the those moments that um, I remember is I sat with my supervisor. We went to the Ashmolean Museum and I was in a stairwell I was having trouble with my, my, my research question, so he calls me and tells me to go meet him in this place. So I show up and my supervisor's name is Nigel, who's just an absolute legend of a man. He's very British, and I mean that in all of the right senses. And, and, I, and I walk up to him and I say, hello, Nigel, and he just says, shh. And he says, I want you to look at this painting. It was a three-panel painting by Paolo Ocello. I think it was a 15th century painting, a Spanish painting. And it, and it show it's called the hunt in the forest and it shows in just florid detail dogs and hunters and their their all their energy is is you know sort of raging towards the spot in the middle of the woods but you can't see what they're on the hunt for and so he says what do you what do you see and uh i, I started talking about the colors i started talking and he said but what are they doing where are they headed um and i said well they're headed somewhere in the middle of the forest and he said, that is your research question. It's, it's gotta be where all your energy is directed and you need to start thinking through, don't try to window dress, don't try to, to use flowery vocabulary, focus on the question you're really trying to answer and why you were trying to answer it. So that's what I did. And uh, I spent quite a bit of time 
with him and wrestling through a lot of those questions. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I had at Oxford really to step away uh, and, and focus on things that had, had been a part of what I cared about for a long time, but maybe I didn't have the time or the perspective uh, to explore them. Did you ever think as a kid growing up in Florence, Alabama, you would be a Rhodes Scholar, part of an elite group? Absolutely not. Um, absolutely not. And, you know, I still, and I've had a chance to serve on the committee. I'm actually on the American Association of Road Scholars board, and I, I get to work with a few of them here at City Hall and, you know, still stunned every day that uh, that I get to be a part of this this community and, and really honored to, to be a part of it. Some of these people that I've interacted with are among the most talented and brilliant I've ever met, but they were awfully grounded. And, you know, there were times where I felt really out of place and I had this sort of almost feeling like I was dislocated. I remember wearing a white dinner jacket and, you know, sipping port and in a, a hall at Oxford and looking down at my watch and realizing that my, my students were, you know, in third period and just having this just crushing feeling of boy, am I out of place. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't think you ever overcome that. I think sometimes, I think we all feel that to, to, to some extent, or at least I hope we all do, but I'm grateful that I've been in those rooms, but I think the moment you start to feel like you belong in them, uh, you lose a little bit of, um, of yourself and, and who brought you up. Now, before you got to the city of Birmingham position, you worked at UAB and you worked as the UAB Director of External Affairs in the Office of the President. A long title meaning what? That's a great question. Uh, I've heard that uh, the length of someone's title is correlated to uh, their importance, or inversely correlated to their importance. So the longer their title, the least important they are. I had a chance to, to work with really closely with uh, President Ray Watts uh, to operationalize a lot of his strategies in community engagement and economic development. He believed that the role of, of higher education, but in particular an urban public academic medical center, was to open up new ways, new platforms of education to people in the community. And obviously he grew up in West End himself and, and cares a lot about making sure that education access is is real for our students and he's lived that out now with the Birmingham Promise but but one of the things that he was also really passionate about was how we could leverage our our heft as a as the as UAB to extend educational opportunities to, to members of the community and so I with his permission basically took six weeks on secondment to go after a single grant called the America's Promise Grant to start this program called Innovate Birmingham, which is now headquartered in Innovation Depot and, uh, and is training uh, several hundred young people who were unemployed or underemployed for, for high demand, high wage IT jobs. They've since iterated on the original formation of the grant, which we wrote back in 2016, but it, it, I really think speaks to this value that UAB has, that uh, the responsibility of educated people is to serve and that Truly, education is the best pathway out of poverty. It's the best way to create and gender economic mobility. And so, so that's exactly what we were trying to put together. And I, I think we did it. I think that the, the grant program has been really successful. And I'm, I'm super grateful to the folks who've uh, enabled us to be a part of it. I also did a lot of other different things with him on, on special projects. 
and uh, including some economic development work. Uh, some of those projects I get to continue in my role at the city. How much do you stay connected to the Innovate Birmingham workforce? Are you still involved with that? I certainly think about it a lot. And, you know, right now, because of COVID, I've done more workforce thinking than I have since I, really since I wrote that grant. And, you know, the, the reality is, is that those types of dynamic skill development opportunities are going to be the future. And unless and until they have the, the backing of places like UAB or in Birmingham's case, UAB, um, they will not be successful. They will not be sustainable. But I don't get to see it as, as much as I'd like to. Uh, I do, however, stay in very frequent contact with UAB, uh, particularly with regard to, to COVID and our response as a community. I, I just, I think that I'm so grateful that UAB, that the city of Birmingham has UAB. You know, we had the sixth highest fatality rate. The city of Birmingham had the sixth highest fatality rate in the 1918 flu. And one of the things I tell people is the big difference between 1918 and 2020 is uh, UAB. And I, I absolutely feel that that's true. So you, you now serve as a director of economic development for the city of Birmingham. And part of that job is making sure Birmingham is a hub of qualified and diverse talent. So how does your position allow you to do that? We have a department here that we we founded actually under Mayor Whitman called the Department of Innovation and Economic Opportunity. And we look at real estate. The city owns quite a bit of real estate. Uh, we have small businesses and business opportunity. We're, we're specifically focused on women and minority-owned companies uh, and growing them as a function of, of who we are as a city. Uh, the third lane for, for me is workforce development. So we think about talent and workforce development all the time and, and really spend a lot of program time on a program called the Birmingham Promise. We also have what we call the business retention, recruitment and expansion lane, which is about traditional job creation and job growth. And then the final lane is innovation. So that's process innovation and everything from, you know, modernizing business licenses to creating greater connectivity and partnership between various institutions and organizations in our community. We've had a very active couple of months and years, you know, before COVID, our actual employment rate had increased by 8%. Um, the Brookings Institution, through their Metro Monitor, uh, said that Birmingham was actually ranked third on a list of, one of the 100 top cities on a list of in, their racial inclusion index. So a greater share of people of color got jobs in our community, which is a, which is a wonderful thing. You know, now I spend almost every day thinking about what the shape of our economy and more to the point, what our labor market looks like in a post-COVID era. And I'm excited about, you know, the opportunity to, to fuse my work at UAB with, with this current opportunity. And I think it's more urgent now than ever. The strengths of UAB and precision medicine and population health uh, and bioinformatics now must be brought to bear in ways that they haven't before and we've got to figure out ways to create jobs in and around them so it's an exciting time and one that i'm uh i'm eager to to, to grab um and it, but it's also a challenging one the labor market numbers are eye-watering in, in every sense of the the term both the speed with which we lost employment and and how many we lost you know sixty thousand workers in jefferson county are now out of work and many of those jobs, the reality is many of those jobs won't be, won't be coming back. So 
how we repurpose workers and when we we reskill them and, and redeploy them is is my number one priority. Where do you see Birmingham going in a post-COVID environment? I think we have the opportunity to be the world's leader in precision population health. Uh, so this idea that you know if precision medicine is the right right patient, right medicine, right time, you know precision population health uh, takes that and it focuses on the social determinants of health that shape those those patient attributes. And I really believe that given the uh, the demographic makeup of you of the city of Birmingham the research excellence of, of UAB and Southern Research, and then the potential for public, private, and, and several other business uh, leaders wrapping, wrapping our arms around this collectively as a community, I think we can build what you know economists would call an economic cluster, right? This idea that um, there's a cluster of talent and uh, resources that, that make Birmingham unique. Dr. Vickers, the dean of UAB School of Medicine, has often said is that, you know, COVID has revealed the lethality of health disparities. And it's not, that's not just a consequence or it's not just a, a consequence of Birmingham is seeing. It's one that the, the whole world is seeing. And so I think people are going to be looking to places like Birmingham, not just for more effective means of, of public health, but also for a, uh, a model for how to do it and potentially uh, to, for it to be the epicenter for, for, for that type of population, precision population health management to go uh, and, and be more effective throughout the country. Throughout your professional life, you have woven kind of a, a sense of giving back, working with the underserved. Do you see that continuing down the road and no matter what happens in the future? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the word character, really the Greek of it um, means etched, as in etched, etched on you deeply. And I think, you know, my grandfather, I remember, I remember one of the, he died when I was young, but one of the things that I remember him saying is if you ever want to know if you're doing the right thing, ask yourself if it's helping the poorest person. I think that's pretty doggone good advice. And I see myself through uh, the gifts that I was given at UAB, through opportunities that I had at Oxford, I was given a lot of opportunity to study on other people's generosity. And in many cases, I believe it's my responsibility to give back where I can and where I have the opportunity. And so I, I think service will be an important part of, of what I do next. No matter what role I'm in, it will always have that tilt because uh, that's, that's sort of who I am. That's Josh Carpenter, a 2010 UAB graduate where he studied accounting and economics in the UAB Klatt School of Business and graduated magna cum laude. Josh has a unique perspective of UAB. Not only did he get his bachelor's degree here, he also worked in the president's office and still teaches current students. With all of his experience, surely Josh has an idea of what it means to be a blazer. I think the unique aspect of being a blazer, the unique aspect about being uh, a, a, a UAB student, staff, or faculty member is that you're on a you're part of a group that's changing the world and that there's an urgency to create that change, that there's not a whole lot of time to waste, uh, that there's not a whole lot of fluff around it, that we have a, a responsibility and an opportunity to make a difference. And I'm excited to say that uh, this institution, which has always valued diversity, is now the face of uh, a more diverse Alabama and hopefully a, a more uh, inclusive and sustainable Alabama. 
Don't miss an episode of UAB Green and Told. Subscribe to make sure you are the first to know when new episodes are released on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also listen in at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. If you'd like to be a guest on a future podcast, let me know. Email me at greenandtold at uab.edu. Be sure to stay on top of everything alumni does. Follow us on social media. We can be found at UAB Alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers!